think about when you hear bright lights or words like that or, you know, things that are shining in the darkness. You may be old enough, and I guess it happened here. It used to happen in Texas where I grew up. That in the night sky, you would see these brilliant spotlights coming up. Do you all remember these? And they were designed to draw you to whatever, either by a car or, you know, whoever was advertising. It was designed to draw you in, to make you want to go there. And that's one of the first things I think about when I think of brightness. But you might think of something like birthday candles or fireworks. All of those things are events in our lives and times in our life when we are drawn in to look at things a little bit differently. So today, we conclude the season of Epiphany, which is focused on seeing God in Jesus. The word Epiphany indicates a new understanding of something or meaning. It's kind of like, and if you want another um, light image, do you ever remember pondering something? This happened to me when I was in high school. I was literally walking down the hallway. I was never very good at math. And all of a sudden, I understood what they were talking about. It was like a light bulb went off in my head. It was just like immediate. So it, 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 I still remember that, walking down that hallway, and just all of a sudden, I don't remember what the math problem was, but it was like, oh, I get it. And so that's where we are today. We're at season, ending the season of Epiphany, and we are going to get a revelation of Jesus in a new way. Now, light, I'm going to hold out to you part in our spiritual life from the very beginning of time. Because when God first created, it was darkness. And out of the darkness, God brought light. And he said, you know, this is good. Light, light. Things are exposed and seen in the light. So in our last gospel for the Epiphany season... It's all about light. It's all about Jesus being transfigured on a mountain, being changed. He's bathed in light. Now, in all likelihood, it was dark because Luke is the only one of the gospel writers who tells us that the disciples were literally weighed down with sleep. Luke tells the story a little different. In fact, he's very few details, but he gives us that detail. Matthew and Mark are almost verbatim in what they're saying. Very small, minor changes. But we're going to find that Jesus is transformed on this mountain. Now, if you, I mean transfigured. If you look up that word in the dictionary, it literally means has occurred, some difference has occurred, and probably our most common picture of a metamorphosis is the um, emerging of a butterfly from a cocoon. Something completely different and new comes out of the old. 
And that's what we're going to see. So if we back tells us, I think it's before they go up the mountain. Jesus has been teaching and preaching, and the disciples have been following him, and he says to the disciples, Now, who do people say that I am? And they get a lot of different responses. People don't know exactly who Jesus is. And so Jesus finally looks at those disciples and he says, But who do you, who do you say I am? And in my understanding of scripture, as we read it, we are to insert ourselves in there and to hear those words like Jesus is saying to us. Who do you, who do you say? Who do, what would I say? And Peter, never at a loss for words, right, says, well, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, yes. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about now. And as I told him before, I'm going to go off. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. All of these things are going to happen. Peter's like, I don't really think you get the understanding of messiahship, Jesus. I don't think you really know. You see, they have expected great things, wonderful things. And they've seen a lot of great things, healings and miracles and feedings and all of that. But what were the Jews really for in a Messiah? They wanted somebody who was going to come in. They were going to take over, get rid of those Romans, the Romans. They hated the Romans. Kind of like, and all of you are old enough to remember this, the old Western movies where the hero rode in on a white horse and you knew that all would be well, right? Because he was on the white horse. That's what they expected. That's not only what they expected, that's what they wanted. And so Jesus is telling them, It isn't going to be exactly like you think it is. It's not going to be the way you pictured Messiahship. And so today, Jesus takes them up the mountain. Peter, James, and John. And as Luke says, Peter, James, and John are sleepy. It is nighttime or dark, at least far enough into the evening that it's dark. This is probably... Mount Hermon, which is about 14 miles from the Philippi area where they had Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus had been preaching and teaching. And many commentators believe that Jesus is actually going up this mountain to pray and discern if he has really understood this will of the Father that he move forward toward Jerusalem. Because he was always praying before he made any major steps. So he takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes up the mountain. So you can have to really picture this. They don't have flashlights or anything with them. It is night, and all of a sudden... 
Jesus is shining white. His clothes are white. He's just radiant. He's just uh, unbelievable glory in front of their faces. And it says his clothes even become dazzling white. And remember, it's dark. So this is incredible. And then the disciples see who? Moses and one other. And Elijah. Why? Both of those were... Heroes of the faith, Moses and Elijah. And both of them had um, interaction with Jesus on a mountaintop. Remember, Moses went up on the mountain and he came down. And what did the people tell him? Cover your face because it is shining. He has been in the glory of the Lord. And then with Elijah, Elijah's running away. He's scared for his life. And he's hiding in a cave. And he finally hears God speak to him, not in the noise or any of the outside activities, but in the silence. Both of these men had had significant um, mountaintop experiences with God. And both of them were heroes of the Jewish faith. So Peter says, wow, this is a good thing. We got all three of you here. I'll just build some. What's he going to build this out of? He's on a mountain. But I'm going to build three tabernacles and we can all stay there. And um, Jesus says, I don't think that's the plan. So, but as you know, we always know that he's going to be impetuous. So while, P- while Peter's struggling with this idea of Gosh, three drawings would be great, and how am I going to set these out? All of a sudden, remember it's dark, a bright cloud comes overhead. And from this cloud that is shining white in the darkness comes this booming voice. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. God speaking words of confirmation. This is a mountaintop experience for Jesus. It's a mountaintop for the disciples who are by now on the ground. I mean, would you not be on the ground? And God comes over you and a voice from God speaks. And it's also a mountaintop experience for us because we are invited into scripture into these events to see what's happening. And Jesus tells the disciples, okay, get up, but don't tell anybody. Now, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, who are they going to tell? Who would believe it? I mean, seriously, we were on a mountain, all of this happened. Um, we fell on the Yeah. So he says, don't, don't tell anybody this until after... I'm resurrected. So he gives trust them with this secret. So Jesus is going to come down off that mountain. Just like we have to come down off the mountaintop experiences that we have from time to time. If it's in a, some kind of religious um, service or experience. He has to come back down and go about his journey. So 
as we read or listen to scripture, I think that you and I are invited, as I said briefly before, into that story. Can we picture ourselves on top, experiencing it? So Jesus is going to come down. It's not going to end there. He's going to come down, and he's going about life as normal. He's going to have to go through all the events leading up to his crucifixion. But we're not there yet because we are still in the last week of Epiphany. So we see at this point Jesus transformed. We're not to the cross yet. We're still experiencing the glory right now. But we're on the verge of beginning that journey, which will happen on Ash Wednesday, when I hope to again. But as we conclude the season of Lent, I mean of Epiphany, what we have to remember, Jesus in this light, this great display of light, coming into the dark, coming the people that saw it. So that light, Jesus offers to each and every one of us. So the question that we have to ask and that the disciples would have to live into after Jesus' resurrection is bringing light to the world, sharing the story of Jesus. So are we bringing light to the world in our grocery stores, in our daily activities, in what we do? In the early 20th century, a man named Harry Dixon wrote a children's song, and you will all know it. It says, this little light of mine, and remember when you were a child, you had to put your finger up, this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine. Oh, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. And it ends with, Jesus gave it to me. Jesus gave it to each one of us. Jesus gave it to me. And I'm going to let it shine. All right. That's the message and epiphany season. That as we into what will become a darker season for us, just liturgically, that we still remain the light of Christ in the world, that we bring our faith, our trust in God out into the open, that something that we say or do maybe lights up another's heart, maybe opens another's mind. We're called to be light. And as you know, we live in pretty dark times. I just picked up something today that that 11 people were shot somewhere. I don't even remember where it was. It just came across as a blurb. And I was like, seriously, this is happening almost every week. And sometimes it seems like every day. The darkness of the world is waiting for light. And we are to be that light. Amen.